Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. The draft 2023 budget was made public recently. It proposed a 5% increase or a hike of $138 on average. Council will be debating the budget on Monday. There are huge pressures on politicians. Inflation, interest rates, provincial downloading, police, the library, transit, the harbor are among a long list of items. But there are other smaller items. It suggests cutting lifeguards at the beach, shutting down the canteen at Legion Fields, rethinking community grants. But there's still a chance for public input. Have a listen. I'm so pleased to have with me today Deputy Mayor Nicole Beattie. Welcome to Consider This. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Before we get into the numbers, I'd like to quickly talk about the process. And in the past, budgets were usually passed more quickly. Last year, it was in December. The year before, the draft budget was in October. So why so late this year? That's a a good question and a fair observation. I think there's a few factors to keep in mind. Uh, You know, we're in election year, so the budget is going to naturally be a bit delayed. Uh, Given that, we started our council, a calendar of council meetings a bit later in 2022. I think we also have to acknowledge uh, the unique winter storm that we experienced over the Christmas weekend, which really disrupted the the day-to-day business of, of staff and folks working on the budget process. So if we look back to 2019, I'd say we're about two weeks later uh, with a post-election budget. So it, it seems a bit late calendar-wise, but again, I think there's a few, those are a few factors that I think we have to take into consideration. Um, and at the beginning of the year, staff needed a little bit more time just to finish up the, the draft budget sheets. This is your first budget as deputy mayor, the person in charge of the budget process. What challenges were you facing putting this budget together? Yeah, so there's actually a a slight change in that process even. Um, As you may recall, one of the first things this term of council did was suspend the coordinator system. And and with that, uh, the governor, the governor, general government coordinator was suspended as well. So typically that function is the budget chief. So the mayor and myself were actually part of the, the budget process, uh, working with staff um, in understanding the, the timeline and, and getting it out to the public. Uh, so it was a, a team approach with, with the mayor and I. And I think it's also just really clear 
to remind the public staff actually, you know, our finance department are actually the ones that put together that draft budget, uh, which you see before you now, which is publicly available. And then next week during the budget deliberations is when council uh, debates and, and makes the final decisions on the 2023 budget. The tax increase that's being proposed is going to cost about $138 more for the average household. It is based on a home assessment of about $278,000. Why is that a reasonable amount? The recommended amount there is just over the, the 5%, which, you know, I mean, some municipalities, and I'm not justifying that proposed increase just as yet, because again, we have to, council as a whole uh, hasn't had that fair debate uh, in, in the public, which will be February 7th and 9th. You know, we're seeing some municipalities in Ontario who are increasing by, you know, highly upward towards 10%. The one thing that was shared with the mayor and I and the rest of council last week, and I think most folks would assume this going into the budget year, we have some indicators that are just driving that up without any wiggle room, right? Inflation, uh, cost of insurance, um, union cost of living, you know, contract uh, union obligations that we have to fulfill, gasoline, uh, supply chain and demand, the cost for borrowing. So we have all of these economic factors uh, that are not putting us in a favorable position. Uh, and actually what it's putting counts on a very difficult decision is next week having those conversations of uh, what's deferred. Um, obviously, we all, well, I want to protect, uh, you know, we don't want to see service reductions. And I think that we can achieve that in budget deliberations. But um, a significant tax increase around 4 to 5% uh, seems to be what's being presented to us, just given those, you know, kind of, factors that every municipality is is facing again inflation and, and union obligations and just general cost of increase across the board from insurance and and other sundry items are making it very difficult uh making it a very difficult budget when you're talking to a taxpayer especially seniors or those on a fixed income this has a has a really big impact what would you say to them that justifies this kind of a, a large increase. Mm-hmm. I empathize with that. I, you know, I'm I'm on a fixed income myself. Uh, and, you know, it's um, yes, it's it's honestly, Robert. That is it's a, a very difficult conversation, especially uh, you know, I campaigned on uh, tax stabilization, really wanting us to get to a point of okay, everything is in the budget. We have everything we need to address growth. We have the staff we need to be at full complement. I think that's another thing to point into too, is we have the last introduction of annualization of the new staff positions that the last term of council introduced. The majority of those positions are cost recovery and address um, uh, growth pressures. It sounds like an excuse, but a big part of it is, again, these non-negotiables of just inflation and that alone. And, and I think what this council is going to have to have with the, the taxpayers is to maintain the status quo. Um, what 
what services are we willing to live without? Uh, but I also think that this council moving forward, and it's a lesson I learned from the last term of council, is being much more hardline on what special projects that go above our core mandate, like what special projects we start having to say no to. I think it really comes down to balancing the cost of living and, and prioritizing and going back to those core basics of, of the municipality, which is difficult when responsibilities continue to get downloaded at the municipal level. Um, and you know, our, our, our police budget is a big driving factor uh, in, um, in the tax increase too. you know, them coming in at, at, at 5%, which was, uh, you know, again, comparing to other police budgets. But as the chief openly said in his budget to council and his budget pres presentation to council, uh, just the cost of disability management alone is costing the taxpayers $1.8 million. So, you know, when you're kind of put into a corner with these non-negotiables, uh, but as an elected politician, it's our responsibility, it's my responsibility to be strong stewards of tax dollars. And so, yeah, I'm circling back to a comment I made about we need to be really hard line about I believe we have everything in the budget, the staff we have now have to to address growth and operate at full complement. I would hate to see cuts to core services and we need to be, I'm hoping this council over the next term, we have to start being uh, really strategic in what special projects we onboard. Because um, every special project and community interest obviously comes with a, a cost to the levy. All right, let's get into the weeds and start talking about some of the specifics based on, on what you've just said. The, the council budget, uh, which is the part that pays for you and your colleagues on council, the politicians, it's gone up by nearly one-third or almost $100,000. And I guess the question is, why is there such a big increase for the budget for council? That is... A good question and something I look forward to debating with my council colleagues next week. So it'll probably be beneficial for us to have a follow-up conversation um, after the council debate because I'm sure you can appreciate I'm, I'm one of seven. Um, I believe the two uh, driving indicators there are um, there was an increase, a request to increase uh, the mayor's training budget uh, by ten thousand uh, dollars, I believe there was an increase to uh, the meal line, um, and I know that there is being talks of hiring uh, an assistant for the mayor and council. So, as staff presented, and what I really liked about the staff presentations this year was they were very clear about these are the driving indicators for some increases, um, but they also took some initiative to show where there was some cost avoidance and some opportunities for council, um, you know, to keep the levy at, at, a, at a moderate increase. Um, yeah, so Robert, those would be, I, I believe, are my understanding of, of that significant increase. Uh, and again, uh, that will be uh, a final decision of council will be Debated, uh, of, uh, of course. And our conversations yeah. based on a draft budget and obviously yeah. there's deliberations to have, but I think there's opportunities for people to still have input. And that's why you and I are talking right now so that people have time to digest what 
is going on. And if they have comments, they can follow up. I'd, I'd like to follow up on that, though, a little bit more if I could, because these are tough times. I see in the mayor's budget, there's, what, $500 for Rotary Rib Fest. There's $2,500 for the Northumberland Hills Hospital Gala. There's another $1,500 for the mayor to spend on United Way Challenge the Dragon. And then there's a $900 for a golf tournament for fair share. Then there's the GRCA dinner. Now, I realize these are small amounts. But again, is this the type of expenditures that are necessary in the in this fiscal climate? And what message does that send to taxpayers? Mm, fair. And I, I think that same uh, observation, if I can use that word, can be applied to the community grants. Um, I think it comes down to a matter of um, philosophy of partnership and support to organizations that care for our citizens and help build community um, you know it is a it is a cost for uh, the mayor uh, to, to go to these things you know I know for myself if I choose to go to a fundraiser it's something I pay for out of my own pocket um, which adds up but that's a choice I make right like I if I was in council or not I'd, I'd be at these events supporting community causes so I understand what you're saying. I think it comes down to a matter of priority. Are we are we being partners in supporting our community organizations that help raise funds and give back and build community and care for community? Um, I know residents also ask me, well, why is it only this list of organizations? Like, how does my organization get into the budget? Um, so... You know, there's a lot of legacy uh, in that discretionary fund, um, and it's uh, you know everything's up for reflection in this in this in this budget. But I, I think the that comment could also be applied to should the municipality be in the business of of community grants? Is that what taxpayers want their money going towards? I'd like to talk next about the transit system. Because the mayor is reported to have asked if the, trans the transit system is not a luxury. And I see the operating budget and the cost of transit is, is predicted to go up under this draft. Now, how committed are you to keeping the bus system? I can't comment on the mayor's comments, but myself, I do believe that the transit service uh, is, a, is a, a core service for for the municipality for many reasons, you know, um, regardless, we'd always have to be offering a, a wheel system. Uh, I meet folks who are downsizing or giving up a car just because of affordability and, and insurance. Uh, you know, there's the whole sustainability argument. Um, I acknowledge that the last term of council, we made a radical overhaul of our transit system. And uh, is it perfect and is it uh, operating, you know, to its fullest potential? Uh, some days, no. Uh, you know, experiencing driver shortages and, and, and changes in, in how to book rides. I do believe we're going in the right direction with transit. What I would like to see council do is how do we continue to improve customer service and how do we increase our ridership? Uh, so that, you know, the economies of scale, the business case around the transit, um, we really see it realize its full potential. But to answer your, your question, Robert, um, 
I, I, I am one uh, that uh, supports um, public transit. So what assurances then are you prepared to give at this time to seniors and those who can't afford cars or don't have vehicles? What can you say to them so that they know that there's going to be a transit system after this budget? Yeah, I, the assurance that I can give is that I will advocate for it. I will debate for it. I'm prepared to make a case for it. I am not aware of any recommended actions coming forward. Um, you know, this council hasn't talked about budget cuts. Uh, staff did not present uh, budget or service cuts to transit. Uh, so I know, you know, a lot gets discussed out in the community and on, on social media, but I, as one of seven members of council, can assure your listeners and residents that I am prepared to advocate and, well, I always advocate for transit, but I'm prepared to um, to ensure that uh, transit is um, uh, stays the course. What is the line item known as affordable housing assistance? This was something that was in the operating budget. It's a line item for about $125,000. I didn't think that the lower tier municipalities were involved in affordable housing assistance. What is that about? And could you explain why we're spending $125,000 on it? Sure. We introduced this into the budget in 2019 and then it was formalized in 2020 through our affordable housing and rental community improvement plan so that's what that 125,000 is uh, I've always wondered why it falls in the family and social services budget uh, it's because it's really a it's a planning tool um, and it's a function of the, the planning department uh, so you know the community improvement plan uh, similar to what the heritage downtown CIP was it's meant to uh, provide incentives, uh, stimulate uh, the build of rentals and affordable units in Coburg. Um, so what it is, it's, uh, it's a, a grant and policy program uh, where folks can apply for waiving of, of permit fees and, and building fees and uh, uh, some deferrals. So the, I mean it. So a CIP, a community improvement plan, is actually a planning tool through the Planning Act that any level of government, uh, a municipality can use. Um, it's used to support housing projects. The municipality can't get into the building of the houses, so it's supporting the build. Um, and really, what it is, it's um, yeah, it's, it's a planning program that is meant to support the county's housing strategy and Coburg's housing strategy, ultimately in um, stimulating um, a rental and, a, and a affordable housing bill. So this has nothing to do with the sleeping cabin proposal or anything like that? No, this is this would be the third year uh, that okay. the town of Coburg has been funding its right. CIP. Yeah. And it comes through uh, um, Northern Reserve, so it's actually not... Uh, it, it's not a, um, a, a hit to the tax levy. Okay. I, I noticed that there was a double-digit cut to the park's operating budget. I, I believe it's about 21%. Why was there such a dramatic cut to parks and recreation? Yes. Uh, High-level indicators or drivers to that, uh, as presented by the director last week, 
the recommendation to um, not have lifeguards on Victoria Beach, um, a recommendation to close Centennial Pool, uh, and then some recommendations, which I'm not in favor of, and I know it's um, not being well received in the community, uh, but is cutting um, our tree our tree planting budget. So it's pretty significant when you talk about, you know, cutting the lifeguards down at the beach. I mean, that's a safety issue. I also noticed that there were cuts to the budget for Legion Fields. There's been cuts to the budget for the campground. Um, And uh, there was even talk of of parking fees going towards park maintenance. If I was somebody that was involved in sport or I was involved in any of these areas, I would be deeply concerned about this. What would you say to those people? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. I could understand those concerns. The... Just to clarify around Legion Fields, it's actually just the canteen operations. Um, so the business case right there is uh, it's costing more to run the canteen. Uh, so should we be spending money and if we're not even becoming revenue neutral with it? Uh, so my understanding is not an impact to Legion Fields and the access to that recreational space. It's more around uh, canteen, and that would be staffing costs to, to, to run the canteen. So that's, that's just a clarification there. Uh, and can you remind me what the second part of your question was? It, Sorry, it I was, just wanted to clarify. No, it, I was talking about, you know, the safety issues around not having right. lifeguards. Thank you. This is, council discussed uh, not having lifeguards in the past. Uh, as you'll recall, when we closed the beach, we opened the beach, closed the beach, uh, and, you know, we had the um, the opinion about uh, safety and insurance and uh, not having lifeguards as long as we had the proper, you know, signage and, uh, you know, you swim at your own risk. Um, sorry, that sounded uh, quite, <laughs> um, quite direct, but if we had the proper signage uh, and we followed our insurance, and our legal advice, uh, as long as we're in compliance with a beach that um, uh, doesn't have lifeguards. Uh, my understanding from the director is really where it would impact Coburg is uh, being a blue flag status beach. Having lifeguards is a checklist in that blue flag standard, but we haven't been pursuing blue flag for um, a little bit now. Uh, so some could argue that there's many beaches in in Ontario, uh, public beaches, that, that don't have lifeguards. So, again, a very big discussion of council next week. Um, but I'm of the opinion that as long as we are following um, compliance and insurance and, uh, you know, legal advice around uh, safety and access to a, a, a public amenity like a waterfront beach, um, that I, it's, you know, if it's a cost-saving measure... Um, but interestingly enough, Robert, and, and this is why I appreciate you having these conversations, my biggest concern around is, like, we haven't been hearing anything about um, uh, the removal of lifeguards, and so I'm really hoping that that's something we hear next week from the community um, as we have that conversation, you know, would that really impact um, people using using the beach or not. Well, I, I wonder from from a parent's point of view, you know, all it would take is is a, one tragedy with a child or anybody, 
And, you know, what would you what would you say to them? So I, I guess that's what you guys get to debate uh, in the upcoming weeks. Yeah. The, the library has been coming under some fire and, and there are many, many people that use the library, depend on the library. It's, it's a, a very big service to our community. And it's proposing a 6.2% increase or about $80,000. Where do you stand? Yeah, I first, I'll address the second part of your question. Uh, I agree with you. I, uh, I mean, I'm a big advocate and proponent of, uh, or supporter, a proponent, supporter of the library. Uh, I'm of the opinion that the library is more than just books, which is my favorite part of the library, but the programming, the gathering space, the safe space, the community venue uh, is a designated warming center for the town when we declare hot or cold emergency alerts. Um, it's a place for art. It's a place for archives. Um, you know, we could get into the meaning of the library. We got to have a whole conversation about that. Um why it's so contentious with council to be frank robert uh council hasn't had a conversation about the library budget um there have been no motions or proposed cuts uh to to the library we received the library presentation last week uh what i love about uh tammy and her staff's presentation to council is how clear they are like their presentation so data driven um and you can just look at their presentation to look at the usership and 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 the increase in in access to several services and another thing that always comes up in our budget surveys is the library always ranks as the number one um you know whether it's the most beloved or the most accessed uh service in town um so the our community engagement supports that statement as well um do i have a crystal ball and what we'll be debating next week no but again just like transit i'm i'm not aware of any recommended actions uh motions to propose cuts to this service um i've obviously been reading the news and receiving emails um i'm not sure where where that's coming from uh you know yeah but i I have to be very clear that council as a whole um has not discussed the library budget other than receiving the staff presentation for information purposes last week during um, the divisional presentations in our earlier conversation you were talking about community grants and raising some question marks about is this a, a good way to spend taxpayer dollars? There's a, a section of the budget called special events, which uh, is about $180,000. This includes everything from the Sandcastle Festival to a whole bunch of tourism-related um, um, uh, events that go on within the town that the, the town contributes to. Why is this important, and where do you s- see this particular budget fitting into the overall context uh, I mean do you does it raise questions for you like the grants or is it something that you see as fundamental mm, yeah um, so yes the community grants is a separate initiative that special event budget would be events that the town um, produces or delivers or, or partners in and a, a big part of that budget balance or budget total uh, is the Sandcastle Festival 
but you'll also notice in the cost recoveries or revenue sources um, in the budget that the Sandcastle pretty much um, uh, raises the money back in, in sponsorship. Um, that's one of the things I'm really excited about Director Gertz and his uh, event and marketing team is they're very um, uh, revenue. I understand the importance of raising funds to complement the expense. Um, you know, very sponsorship driven, very business development driven. Uh, and I think through the special events, minus the Sandcastle Festival, I think we're starting to see a shift in Coburg. You know, people know we have a beach and, and you know, I love our beach. You know that I welcome visitors. Um, but we don't need to tell the world that we have this beautiful beach. It's, it's a given. Uh, so what I'm really excited about uh, from the, the culture department is starting to talk about partnerships and initiatives uh, that showcase the other assets and reasons um, to uh, to enjoy Coburg, whether you live here or you visit here. Um, so in a roundabout way, Robert, um, the biggest driver in that is the Sandcastle Festival, uh, but you'll residents will also see in the draft budget that there is that revenue source or that cost recovery line, uh, which staff raises sponsorship uh, to help produce that event. I'd like to talk now about the capital levy. Now, the, this is the money that the town spends on roads and sewers and infrastructure. It's almost doubled this year. I know there's a lot of factors that go into this, but one of the big ones has been the harbor. And we were told in you know previous years that you know everything down there needs to be replaced. The, the East Pier is in critical condition. I mean, there's even been talk that the walkway is almost ready to fall into Lake Ontario. What's happening in the capital budget to ensure that we're going to move forward on this important project? Mm-hmm. So... The fact that it's in our capital budget, uh, again, shows the commitment of council. Again, if that's the will of council next week uh, to continue with this project. You know, as as we talk all the time, you know, another year passes, the cost increase. I know it's not just as simple as get it done, but we need to move on this project. It's already so costly and and yes so many drivers over the years between COVID and supply chain and bids coming in over budget Um, but what I really appreciated in the director director Gert's presentation to council last week is he's proposing an approach that is like a two-third grant strategy so recognizing how important it is for council and the town and our mayor to be lobbying for provincial and federal funding to help uh, with this significant project. So trying to find ways of easing that capital uh, burden on the levy. Uh, So I'm hoping that council sees the importance of this capital project. Um, Most residents I hear from obviously feel that the investment is worth it. You know, others are, we'll just let it wash into the water. Um, But I think it's a really big part of our identity. What council needs to talk about is um, the the payment uh, strategy, the payment plan around this uh, and how uh, our long-term debt strategy plays into that. And and I know one thing that I'll be making a... um, 
a motion for asking council to consider is coming up with a 10-year financial sustainability plan um, that aligns our our asset management plan and, and, and capital levy with you know um, the long-term need from um, uh, from from tax contributions so at the end of the day it's it's a it's a philosophical question is is this a nice to have project or is this uh the time has come it's an aged asset um and sadly this is the cost to um uh to to restore it to um uh to restore um strengthen it to rebuild it to rehabilitate it there's a lot in the budget that's not very jazzy it's fixing sewer pipes it's doing sidewalks it's repairing roads things like that and yet there's a lot of money that needs to be spent and there's probably a list that's huge that of projects that need to be done where do you see the priorities in spending the capital money and and why do you think those things are important yeah um well you know roads sidewalks sewers bridges you know those are just core essential infrastructure a that's our mandate as a municipality um but b uh we need those to keep our roads safe and people walking and to be a clean and presentable uh, community, um, and I think that's in front infrastructure and asset planning that we actually do really well. Um, you know, uh, every year, every budget cycle, we tackle a different need. I think where it comes down to um, community advocacy and then the prioritization of council is capital around, you know, parks and rec infrastructure, uh, green infrastructure. Um, again, balancing that core responsibility of, of roads and sewers um, that we walk on that keep our community um, attached, uh, and then the capital infrastructure of of things that people use and enjoy and, and experience. One of the things we haven't talked about is the new provincial legislation. You alluded to downloading and and pressures from above level or higher levels of government, excuse me, uh, coming down and impacting on municipalities. We know that there's been changes to the Planning Act to streamline it and and to put more pressures to get uh, uh, proposals through faster. We also know that uh, development charges are going to be impacted. What has this new legislative package around housing, how has it uh, impacted this year's budget and to what extent? Yeah, uh, I don't think it's impacted this budget per se for a few reasons. Uh, the trickle-down effect hasn't happened yet. Um, I know that our uh, one of the things coming back to this council is exactly that, is what will the financial impacts or some scenarios be for the municipality? And so I do know that our finance and planning departments are, are working on that. Um, and then the other thing as this uh, comes into effect and starts coming to the fabric of communities. I also know and appreciate how the uh, Ministry of Municipal 
Affairs and Housing has, you know, and, and through advocacy from AMO, the Association of Municipalities of Ontario, have talked about keeping municipalities whole. Uh, you know, that changes to the Planning Act and changes through Bill 23 um, won't impact municipal finances. And so I, I don't know what that means. I really appreciate that observation and that commitment to keeping municipalities whole. But what does that um what does that uh, adjustment or, or what does that financial support look like? Um, again, I, I know I'm not giving you a concrete answer, uh, but I think maybe this time next year we will be able to have a more detailed. Um, this council hasn't received a financial analysis from staff, uh, so I would be just making assumptions. Um, and then again, we haven't gone through a budget cycle or an operating year yet with the new legislation. Um, and then I'm also keen to understand uh, what will come through through the province. You know, what do what does keeping a municipal a municipality whole um, mean in terms of making sure that these changes to get houses built faster uh, doesn't financially impact a, a municipality? In fact, we want it to be the opposite, right? Um, we want to welcome responsible growth because uh, you know uh, we welcome more property taxes. Well, speaking of growth, the new assessment that has been created due to the amount of construction that's been going on for both homes and businesses, um, there was over $500,000 generated in uh, the last year. That surpasses pre-pandemic levels, uh, which I think were at uh, about $460,000. So... It, it, that has a huge impact, obviously, in terms of revenue. But do you worry now that with the economic factors that we spoke about earlier, inflation, high interest rates, uh, and other factors, that we may see a slowdown and therefore that could impact future budgets? Mm. Uh, timely question, because I just sat in on yesterday, Cobra hosted an economic... Uh, development update from the the chief economist for the bank, the Development Bank of Canada, with that venture thirteen, and uh, manufacturers and industry leaders were asking those exact same questions. And um, in a roundabout way, the answer was, you know, we're starting to see things uh, return to hopefully a, a more predictable and, and, and stable. I believe was the word that was used climate um my understanding and speaking with planning staff and developers that are active in and um in coburg is uh if anything you know can you get more planning staff please because we would like to to build faster so i'm not aware of projects being abandoned or uh, concerns of projects being pulled out due to cause um i think one of the drivers if anything, we're going to see an increase in that revenue, especially as um, Coburg East builds out. We're seeing the last phase of New Amherst. You know, we're welcoming seven phases of tribute homes up in the northeast end. So if anything, that predicted growth that, you know, is forecast over the next 25 years, um, I think we're just starting to see, uh, just starting to see the, the first, first of that being developed. There's a lot more in the budget. 
we only have a limited amount of time to talk, so we can't get into all all of the areas. But if I'm listening to this and I want to, first of all, look at the budget, where can I go to get a copy? And then in addition to that, can do I still have time to give my input before you guys debate this uh, next week? Thank you so much for asking that. So the, the easiest way to navigate to the budget is to go to engagecoburg.ca. You'll see a project listed there called the 2023 budget. You'll click on that, scroll to the bottom, and public uh, phase two of public engagement, and you'll want to click on the Coburg budget page, and that will redirect you uh, to the draft budget. Uh, absolutely, there's still opportunity for uh, folks to get in front of council, and they can do that in three ways. Uh, there is an online survey for folks who just want to quickly provide some input. That's also available on the budget page through Engage Coburg. Folks can make a written submission uh, to council, and they can send that submission to clerk at coburg.ca and know that that submission would be published to the public record to our agenda on at regular council this Monday, February 6th. And folks can also register to speak in front of council, what we call a delegation, uh, and they get 10 minutes to address their idea or their concerns to council, uh, and they just have to make that request in writing to the clerk, clerk at coburg.ca. And that's um, both a written submission and a request for a delegation for Monday night has to be made by Friday at 1 p.m. So online at engagecoburg.ca or register a delegation or submit written correspondence to the email address clerk at coburg.ca. Nicole Beattie, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you very much for getting this out to the community. I appreciate it. That was Coburg Deputy Mayor Nicole Beattie talking about the proposed budget for 2023. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.